Welcome to the first ever episode of the Smalls Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Smalley. There's nothing small-minded about this podcast aside from the name. Excited to take you on a faith-filled journey to destigmatize mental health and uncover the path to peak performance. The views, information, or opinions expressed today are solely the views of the individuals involved, including today's guests and does not represent absolute facts and should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. Such views are the views of individuals and do not represent the official opinion of the International OCD Foundation. A few thank yous before we get started. Uh, As always, the the International OCD Foundation Foundation, which I'll the ICDF, I'll I'll definitely mention them a bunch throughout our our time on this podcast, throughout each episode. Uh, been working with the ICDF for for quite some time now, and since I was, uh, you know, in the middle of my teenage years, and and they've just elevated everybody around them, and it just it's just such an incredible organization of trying to decrease that that stigma around OCD and, and mental health and other anxiety related disorders. And so they really helped this vision come to fruition for me. And um, I'm really excited for, you know, when we co- when I co-founded Anxiety and Athletes with with the ICDF, they they understood my vision and and what what the direction we wanted to go. And I'm su- I'm super excited to to be given this platform and present this platform to other people to share their journeys. And so we can highlight other people and and the best advice and the best lessons they've learned along the way, because it's just going to help so many people um, as time goes on. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to get started a little bit about myself. Uh, my name's Tom Smalley. Uh, I'm a performance coach, formerly from the college setting. I was a, a collegiate strength coach for a few years and then went into the private sector setting where I am a head strength and conditioning coach at a private training facility in Albany, New York. On top of that, I am the co-founder of Anxiety and Athletes, a mental health resource center uh, that provides educational resources, mental health awareness, and awareness about obsessive compulsive disorder and other anxiety-related disorders to coaches, to teammates, uh, to administration. So we really try to educate everybody, and we're trying to reach every population, uh, including parents. So really trying to attack everywhere that there's stigma uh, around mental health and, and uh, really address those, those scenarios and, and those atmospheres. So trying to help people learn how to build that culture of talking about mental health and, and being more accepting with, with mental health challenges. And so this work isn't easy. It's, it's, it's an uphill battle for sure. Uh, and it's really exciting for, for everybody to, to be able to be a part of it. And so my, the reason I got into this work 
was because my OCD journey started when I was about 15. And when I was diagnosed uh, within severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, before that, I was ju- I was diagnosed with chronic depression and anxiety. And as a kid and, and, and in middle school, I realized that I was a very anxious anxious kid and and definitely had a lot of trouble in school and and wasn't like everybody else but there was a part of me that just felt even more different than just having anxiety this anxiety was was constant thoughts that tore me apart and debilitated my days and so it got to the point where i remember really really wanting to end it all and not wanting to live anymore when i was a, when i was a sophomore uh in high school, I, my days were, my parents didn't really know what were, didn't really understand what was happening. I mean, it's so, I can't, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I, I think about how much they sacrificed for me and, and how, how blessed I am to be in, in a position to have a family that was so, has been so supportive. And I realize now that it's it's such a hard disorder to understand when you don't when you're not living it, and so they've really made such a concerted effort to to be there for me and and try to understand OCD. But when you're in it, it's different. It's a different beast, man. And it's washing your hands until they're bleeding. It's being so deathly afraid that your family's going to die in a car accident that you walk in and out of a doorway five hundred times and spend three hours walking in and out of a doorway. It's biting your fingernails until they're stubs and they're bleeding because you want to make sure your brother gets home safely that night. And so people always label OCD as just being organized and just be like liking cleanliness. And while there is a, a uh, contamination OCD subtype, it's so it goes so much deeper than that. And this isn't going to be an OCD uh informational podcast, you know, you can definitely check out the IOCDF.org for more resources about OCD, but just to paint a picture about, you know, where my journey started, it was, I had these unbelievable, irrational thoughts that I knew were irrational, but my brain just couldn't comprehend that I did, I could, I, that they weren't going to happen. So if I was definitely afraid about a, car accident that my parents were going to get in, I was going to do a compulsion to try to combat that thought, even though those two things don't have a correlation. People that don't have OCD are saying, well, why that doesn't actually help them not get in a car accident. It doesn't make any difference what you do. You're not going to be able to control that. But with OCD, there's this lack of serotonin in your brain and it, it tricks you into thinking that you need to do that compulsion. You need to do that compulsion to to save your family or, um, you know, for some people the, the thoughts are, I'm worried I'm going to hurt somebody or I'm worried I'm going to, uh, yell profanity at work. I'm worried I'm going to get somebody ill. Um, just so many different thoughts that can be so triggering and so, so terrifying. Um, you know, I'm worried my family member, or I'm going to get a, terminal illness, just so many different thoughts. And some of them can be super disturbing too. And the thing that people don't understand is we don't want these thoughts. 
there's no there's no chance we want these thoughts. There's they're so debilitating and and so anxiety triggering and provoking, but they're forced into our brain by our OCD. And so I was doing 12 to 14 hours of compulsions just to make sure that, you know, all my obsessions wouldn't come true. And that's, this is when I really realized that, okay, there's some, this is something's wrong. And, and I don't necessarily fit in with like what everybody else thinks. And I, and I'm definitely, I, I started to feel isolated. I started to feel like I was, the, I was crazy. I was weird. Uh, nobody else has these thoughts, but me. And the reality is that OCD does affect um, quite, quite a few people, uh, more people than, than uh, you know, everybody thinks. And so it's been rated, you know, one of the 10 most debilitating mental health disorders in, in the world, uh, you know, for 10 years now. And so I got to the point where not, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of bed. I wasn't leaving my house. My, and so no therapy was working because with OCD, there's such a specific type of, of, of therapy. It's called exposure response therapy. And what I was doing, I was seeing all these different therapists that would just try to have me lay down and talk about my feelings. And that wasn't working. You needed the the combination of medication and, and therapy and the right type of, of treatment, the right type of therapy. And so my mom could, could not figure it out what, uh, where to find somebody that specializes in that in, in ERP, the type of OCD therapy. And finally she found somebody a few towns over and that, that person was the same therapist I've been with for eight years now. And I still see her regularly. You know, I'm, I'm authentic on me. I'll, I'll be transparent that I still take medication and, and go to therapy regularly because there are, there is potential chances of relapse. And I don't want to get to the point where after having my life just taken from me, almost i don't i don't and and all my time it i don't want to ever get back to that place and so i was at the point where i didn't i didn't see a point in living and i told my mom that and i can't imagine how hard that was for my mother to hear you know that i didn't want to that I, my life didn't matter to me anymore and i didn't want to live and so she definitely was 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 just as scared as i was and her and my father definitely, they, they found this, this therapist. And that's when I, I, I went to therapy and I realized what ERP is. And it's actually, it's not soothing. And people think therapy is supposed to be soothing and that you're just supposed to relax. But OCD type of therapy is debilitating and can be truly, um, so triggering for anxiety because what you're doing is you're taking that obsessive thought that you have and you're combating that thought by resisting the compulsion that OCD wants you to do so that over time you learn to literally sit with the uncomfortability and the intense distress that OCD, these obsessive thoughts give you. And over time you learn how to, to cope with that. And so I was going one or two times a week and then doing homework at home with with therapy as well and then i would also have home visits of my therapist and so at the time i was getting d's c's even some f's in, in high school and my whole athletic career was ripped away from me i played basketball not that i would have been this all-star player you know what i mean and and, and I'm, I'm not going to say that but 
um, you know, I didn't want to play football anymore. I didn't want to play these sports because I wasn't actually able to practice as much as everybody else. I wasn't able to actually enjoy the sport anymore because there were just compulsions around even playing these sports. Every time I tried to tie my shoes, I had to tie my shoes 50 times each. And if it didn't feel right, just right on the 50th time, I had to do it another 50 times. So now I'm late for practice. I'm labeled as lazy. I'm late. I'm not irresponsible. And really, I'm just working double time. So, you know, this whole time I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying to tell these coaches and and my teachers that I don't understand why my work's not in and why I'm tardy to class all the time. I'm trying to tell them, listen, like I'm actually working double as hard as anybody else just to try to get this stuff done because I'm also fighting my OCD. I promise. And who are they to believe me? Right. They don't see what's going on behind closed doors. And the tough thing about mental health is that and mental mental health uh, struggles and challenges are that they're they're invisible a lot, a lot of the times. And I felt such an intense shame with with my mental health diagnosis. And I tried to hide it so much that they didn't really see me doing compulsions ever. So who are they to believe me? And so thankfully, I, I had this this support system. And I'm truly blessed with that support system to this day. And uh, through months of, of therapy and intense intense uh therapy sessions and doing these exposures i learned how i've learned how to cope and now over eight years i've learned how to cope but i still do my maintenance work and you know there's still really bad days and there's still and there's great days right and so things are always up and down but but therapy and medication provided me was a new a new identity a new hope on uh perspective on life and and for that i'm so grateful and you know, it get, we don't want people in the OCD community and just in the mental health community regard, uh, either just to want to just survive or function. We want them to thrive in their lives. They deserve to have such a fruitful and fulfilled life. And so that's what this podcast is, is to me, is, is trying to highlight um, holistic health and wellness and how you can thrive in your life and um, just learning something along the way. And so, you know, fast forward to when I was a junior and I I'm, I'm speaking, my therapist starts getting me at speaking events and, and advocacy. And so I start out small. I'm at Yale university in new Haven. Um, and I'm speaking about my battle with, with OCD and what I go through on a day-to-day basis to about like 30 people at the Yale child study center. And then I go to the national OCD conference and I meet, I meet some incredible people and they take me on as an advocate and I start ta- talking at all the, na- the all the national conferences to follow my, during the rest of high school, during college. And then I'm in a, a situation in college where I'm starting to find myself and I'm working um, in college basketball. And I confided uh, about my I started becoming a really open advocate for mental health and started talking more publicly um, to people at school, to different uh, colleges and universities to different psychology departments. And after I did that, you know, I was faced with, I thought I was on this upswing from high school where somehow I corralled my, you know, through the grace of God, because without him, none of it would, would be possible. Right. He put the, he put me in a situation for so long. I asked myself, why me, why me, why me? And, and finally, um, I just, one day switched my thinking of like, why not me? Like God chose me for, 
to turn this, what Liz McInville, one of my good friends and, and co-advocates always says is turn, turn that pain into purpose. And my mom and I created the this, this slogan struggle into strength. And so, you know, God gave me this, this incredible platform to, for a reason. And so I thought going to college, that was going to be a great thing. And so I, I started, I was in a documentary, um, and was able to talk more about mental health and about my battle with OCD. And, and here I am talking about it. And, and finally, I'm more open about it to, to people I know, right? I would talk at these national conferences to people that were suffering with OCD and, and mental health disorders, but I wouldn't necessarily talk about it to people I know. And so now I was journeying into people that don't struggle with it and just to produce overall awareness of, of and I'm going to take a look. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not used to talking this much about myself. I don't, I don't know about this. That's why we're going to have some guests. We're going to have some great guests. So I'm putting this, this converse, this uh, situation where somebody I trusted is finds out that I, that I deal with this mental health challenge and this mental health disorder and they start using it to, to belittle me and diminish me and bully me every day. Every day I walk into the office, they, they, it was a, uh, unfortunate situation and it was someone I trusted and that put me into a relapse. It put me into a really bad relapse and I thought I was going to have to leave school I was starting to go to therapy more and more and I was having that suicidal ideation again. I thought I felt worthless. I felt um, that I couldn't trust anybody. And that situation made me so small. And it, it hurts to talk about that situation still. I forgive that person um, because that that's how it should be. I, I, I want I want to forgive them and I, I want to make sure that, that um, I'm not carrying that burden with me anymore. And so that situation went public and all of a sudden I'm in a national spotlight. And because I had produced that documentary of, of living with OCD, it was easy to identify me. And so I'm, I have an option. I can, I can seek revenge and try to talk smack about that adult, or I can follow the international OCD foundations lead and how much they've supported me and, and take this spotlight to educate people on what mental health is and the importance of mental health and why we're no different than anybody else and why and how everybody should be treated equally and, and fairly and, and with the utmost respect. And thank gosh I had that support system next to me to guide me to, towards that that other path uh, towards enlightening and, and educating and, and advocating for, or for mental health awareness, because without them, I don't know, I may, I may have gotten too angry and, and tried to, you know, get in that, co that, uh, coach's face or adult, sorry, adult's face. And, you know, I'm so thankful that I had that. So thankful for I had that I had that, uh, support system. So that situation brought a lot of good though, too. And I really try to see the light in a lot of different situations. And, and that brought a lot of good. And it, it made me realize that 
I wanted to be a, a performance coach, a strength and conditioning coach. And through that time when I was struggling, the head strength coach at the place I was at took me under his wing and really, really took care of me and, and started realizing that I loved strength and conditioning. I loved physiology and I loved health and wellness and, and helping people improve their mind, body, and soul. And so he really taught me at, you know, so much and helped me formulate these goals. And that was to go to grad school and get my master's in exercise science and things I never thought I would ever be able to accomplish because of my OCD and because of everything that, that OC didn't let me have and took away from me. It was almost like after I, in high school, when I was, you know, always home and, and never socializing and, and my athletic career was taken away from me and OCD was taking everything away from me. After I got out of intensive treatment and was into my maintenance phase of treatment, I had to rebrand myself. I had to find this new identity. I didn't know who I was because all I knew was OCD taking over my life. And so, you know, flash forward to college and now I have some clear goals and some ambitions. And it really, really, that's when I found the weight room and, and realized that every sport was great, but I really loved the process of getting better and the process of improving every day and just being 1% better every day because the process was so much greater to me than the outcome. And I just fell in love with that, with that process instead. And um, so that's, that's why I'm a, I'm a, a performance coach is because there's so much that it's all connected and it all, you know, with your mind and, and body. And I, I love the fact that you can help someone change their life so, so soon and so, so easily because they just need that person to believe in them. You're listening to the Smalls Talk podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And then after I found the weight room, you know, later on after grad school, I started getting into Olympic weightlifting uh, and a coach found me that had a similar story to me and had struggled with substance abuse and mental health. And I'm so appreciative for him because he helped me find that competitive fire again. And that's something that I had to watch people through the windows while they played sports in high school. I had to see other people excel when I realized later on that, oh my gosh, I was a better athlete than them. I just wasn't able to do it because I was so preoccupied with recovering from with recovery and period and from my, from my mental health disorder. And so now I'm at a point where I just can't get enough of the sport of weightlifting and, and being on a platform. It's the one time where, you know, although my performance anxiety before is pretty, is pretty rough, still working on that during the, 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 comp the competition lifts. And when I train, it's just the one time my brain just shuts off and, and I just fall in love with that, that process of getting better. And it's so, it's so relieving and so rewarding too. And I'm so lucky to be part of a club that has a coach that is so understanding and, and um, about total, total mind and body health and wellness and, and does check-ins and, and is, is appreciative of my journey and who, I, and who I am as a human being. And it's so, it's just exciting to be able to compete again in something. You know, I, I graduate and I get my master's in exercise science and 
you know, I work in college strength and conditioning for, for a little while. And I continue to do this mental health advocacy work. I found co-found anxiety athletes with the IOCDF and I have, we, we start collaborating on this vision and of building this resource center. And as we're doing that, I jump on a podcast as a guest. And after I, that podcast is published, I'm told by the, the school I'm working at, I'm told by the athletic director that I can't do, I can't talk about mental health or if I'm going to talk about mental health, I, have to, I need to tell them what I'm going to say about it because they don't want, you know, students, they want, they want to make sure that, that, that their school's left out of it and that, you know, my name isn't attached to it and, and stuff. So they don't want that plus publicity around mental health, which is a really tough pill to swallow because it should be looked at as a, po- as a positive. Your students have a coach that they know they can trust that that has gone through this through similar struggles as them and as a human being, because we're really human beings first and we're not our job description. You know, we're not, we're not a tough job title. We're human beings. We're not the logo on our chest. We're human beings. And that's what, what made me want to, you know, leave the college setting was because I, I couldn't be what they wanted me to be. Right. I want to be Tom Smalley. Uh, I want to be coach smalls to, to the athletes and I want I want to be there and not take life so seriously and and be able to to laugh and be myself and then and then be there for athletes when I need to be and when they need me um, and just en- enlighten them about my journey to know that that I struggle too and I'm so far from perfect and that perfect is is not a, a real uh, you know only God is perfect and we don't need to be we don't need to aim to be perfect we just need it to to be one percent better every day and so. That's my goal with this podcast with with anxiety and athletes is to to show them what and the authentic me and the authentic athletes what they really are like and what they go through on a on a day-to-day basis and I can't wait to to see so many different people uh, come on this podcast and and talk about so many different topics whatever they you know I'm gonna do a mailbag every every week to see what kind of topics people want to hear about um you know i'm going to bring in a lot of different coaches a lot of different um leaders in in industries and and try to really address a lot of different burning questions people have and and different topics that they want to hear about because there's so much to unpack and it will never be done in one episode and i think we could do a lot of different good in in this podcast and i'm so i'm so excited for it Thank you.